Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to Chapter 70 of the Corona Diaries. Good God. Um, you didn't hold your breath, H. You normally hold your breath. Uh, how do you know? Because you normally go... <gasps> ah, but I was being subtle. <laughs> ah, right. Okay. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know you did that. Note the date down. He behaves himself around me, I think. Yes. Yes. The old, and, and, the old terror comes out. <laughs> and as it's as it's a special episode ending in a zero, that must mean that Dave Megan's with us again. <laughs> hey Dave, how are I'm you? Very well, thank you. Yes, no complaints. Are you sure, Dave? You're pretty much sure. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. For the moment. Okay. That was a bit okay. interrogative, wasn't it? Yes. Well, well, it, are you sure? It's just. It's just that haven't you had a, a, a touch of the old COVID since we oh, saw you yes, last? Oh yes, yes, I've had COVID. I've had b- both shots, um, vaccines, and on the right. two days after I had the second vaccine, I got COVID, and then uh, yeah, and I had that for about ten days, and uh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, lost taste and everything, and and, and my eyes sw- swelled up as if I was in a boxing match for some reason, and. Uh, no, I all recovered well, but I'm still left a bit breathless when you know when I'm working and stuff. I still have right. a bit of that. That that still has to taper out. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't anything to write home about. That's interesting right. though, because when Lynetta had her second jab, mm-hmm. about two days after that, she got these massive like swellings yeah, under that's her it. eyes, that's it. like bl- like water blisters. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, you got that. Yeah. Uh, oh, that so could have been the, have that could have been the vaccine then, and not the actual COVID. It, well, or both. Yeah, or both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, so that's curious because she reported it as a possible side effect, but you know the doctors all went, "Oh no, I've never had that before." Oh no. So this sounds like it could be a thing. Yeah. No, it is because I looked it up, and it is on that funny website for side effects. But yeah, and it said it was. It's it's something like one in two hundred or something. Get it. Oh, okay. So it is. Mm. It is there. Welcome to the two hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So only two hundred. Boom! After that, <laughs> I want something rarer. <laughs> I I had a when after after I had my second, I had a little jumpiness in my in my leg. Really, like oh. a twi- twitchy jumpiness in my in my leg, which oh, okay. I didn't know if that was. It's gone away. Yeah, didn't know. I've, I've been scared to mention it in case somebody came on and said. <laughs> when you when you do things like this, where a lot of people listen, somebody will just come on and say, "Oh, that's it." You know, you, you've got you've got a week. So I, I didn't want to mention it. I thought oh, I'd just, I'd just just wait and see if it sort itself out. I had the opposite. I just couldn't couldn't get my legs off the sofa for about three days. <laughs> that was difficult. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that was very difficult. <laughs> 
and having my food anyway. brought to me. But yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, right, yeah, actually, yes, because you'll have had all that. You'll have, you'll have been waiting. Yeah, I was locked in a, the smallest room in the house for 10 days. Yeah. What, with the plate being shoved under the yeah, door? Yeah, so I was looking for political status. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, were you using the nom de plume of Assange at that point in time? <laughs> or, or? No, not just then. No. <laughs> As he smeared his poo on the wall again, <laughs> yeah, yes, going. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one thing about food under the door is, I guess you've got to have a lot of flat food, haven't you? yeah. Yes. Well, it was, always, it was always a fight because it wouldn't go under the door, so they'd have to leave it outside the door, and then it was a race between me getting to it before the dogs got to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't always win, especially with desserts. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, that answers that answers the, uh, the our last question about dogs, doesn't it? Because you said to me yesterday, "Has Dave got a dog?" And I said, "I said, well, he's got so many kids, he wouldn't know if he had." I've got three dogs. One for each. No, 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 I don't have enough for each kid. (laughs) I've got four kids. (laughs) Must get another dog. Make a note of that. Yes, get another another dog. dog. (laughs) We might be able to help you with that. Oh, don't! No, no, I'd be slung out. If you pop down the seaside, you'll you'll probably bump, you'll probably bump into Boots. He'd be abandoned by his owner. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Dave, so Dave's back on because you very kindly promised to come back uh, because we, last time we spoke, we got as far as talking about uh, Brave and AOS. And obviously you were also um, involved in the mixing of uh, TSE and also uh, Anorachnophobia and Marbles. And you very kindly said you'd come back on and talk to us a little bit about your your reminiscences. Uh, if reminiscences he wasn't involved, he was committed. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've got all my notes from my therapy. So, yeah, you were locked into another small room uh, for months on end and had your food passed under yeah, the door. Yeah. Um, so, um, we'll, we'll dive straight in because we've been talking a bit about TSE um, of late, and uh, and you came in, you you mixed, didn't you? That yeah, that was yeah, your yeah. your part in that in that yeah. uh, project. So uh, I, I suppose first and foremost, was it mixed at Racket or did you mix it somewhere different? No, I think we did it at Par Street. Yeah, right. I'm sure we did it at Par Street. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't, it, it was quite, it was really interesting because normally if you get something to mix, it's something that you haven't heard before at all and you've got no idea of. But this was really nice. This was like getting a bag of sweets or something because you'd hear something, go, oh, that's vaguely familiar and then you hit the chorus or something and then you go, oh wow, that's blah, blah, blah. From the, you know, from that was done during jams or a part of or, or even just a little riff or something. So it was quite exciting going through it. I was there was a few parts I was desperate that, that missed sunlight, but but thankfully made it made it to um Strange Engine. So that was that was a really nice thing to find. Mm. I don't suppose you can remember what those bits were. I know people talk about accidental man as being something that was that was rejected from AOS, yeah, but yeah. then appeared on TSE. No, it's, you're it's, talking it's, about it's, little sections, aren't you? Yeah, and a lot of it was lyric stuff. It, it was it was um, the bit about the uh, the smell of the wax on the floor and that whole section in Strange Engine that always. Uh, and when I heard what they'd done with it, it was perfect because it it, it was always so evocative whenever I heard it against any music. That, uh, but never the at the time, I suppose, in sunlight, it just sort of went over heads. But mm. then when I heard it where it was, it was just fantastic. Mm. 
But yeah, that was. Oh, that's the thing because I didn't know that. I didn't know that had actually been around earlier. It's a different. Just point the words. I don't. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the words. A lot of it was. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So H, because uh, that helps a little bit because again, you have said in the past that most of or virtually all of TSE just appeared in one go. Well, the lyrics <laughs> appeared really in the middle of the night in one go, you know, and came out as fast as I could write them down. I went, went back to bed, got up in the morning and thought, I'll go and have a look and see what I did last night. Jesus, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, and they were tweaked a bit, but but they were more or less you know, knocked out in the middle of the night, which uh, never happens. I wish it would happen a bit more often, but it, it, it very rarely does. And, um, yeah, I've did, now Dave mentions it. I, <laughs> I, I've got a feeling that that we did have that as a little section yeah. um, that we just never quite got got into slotting in. No, it, it, it didn't get even. It didn't even get as far as that. It was just during jams, you know, where you'd try, you'd have all your lyrics in front of you, and mm. it was just part. It wasn't the strange end. It wasn't part of the strange end of lyric or anything at the time. It was just a few lines. Yeah. But your dad came home from the navy, all yeah. that little section, and you you you'd say it occasionally. Nothing would gel with it, so it never got formulated into a piece and even taken further. Right. But it was just such a. I think you may have even had the, the same melody yeah. that you have in the final Strange Engine, but it never had stuck to anything. Mm. And uh, but it was a real shame, I thought. Mm. So it was mainly lyrics then that that reappeared. You didn't hear a lot of sections of music when you came yeah. down and heard it effectively for the first time, because you weren't you weren't involved in any of the jamming process, were you? What you no, it was it no, was no, no, it no. was you got it essentially as a. As a final, final thing, yeah. As final yeah. compositions. Yeah. And um, things like A Thousand Faces was around, but again, it was just part of it was around. And um, obviously, Accidental Man. Uh, oh, when Estonia. I heard Estonia, though, that was that was mind-blowing. Because I'd never heard that before, you see, or, or any part of it. And that was fantastic. Mm. That, that really, that was like the core of it all for me, in a way, yeah. in a way. And there was 80 Days, Memory of Water, uh, and Hope for the Future, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, One Fine Day, I hadn't heard any of that previously. That's a good song. Yeah, that is a good one. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So, were the band in and out then? Were they dropping in and out, or did they just leave you to it? Oh, no, I think everybody was up there. Yeah, in Liverpool. Yeah, we any excuse yeah, exactly. to get out of yeah. the house, really. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do. But, yeah. I didn't but see hey. them, but I think they were up <laughs> in university somewhere. <laughs> they were in Liverpool. <laughs> I was usually in the local solarium, <laughs> yeah, yeah. work working on my tan, like do like uh, Katie Price or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Katie Price or something. Yeah. If if I could have had my lips done, I probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's put an image in I can't get rid of now. <laughs> smack mouth morning. So, so because obviously, I mean, at that point, they they really could have just trusted you to crack on because I mean, it wasn't like you needed to get to know the band or anything or get to know what they were trying to, you know, get to. You could have, you know, yeah, probably but... didn't want them anywhere around, did you? 
It was quite literally an excuse to get out of the house in our case. It wasn't because oh. we particularly needed to be, <laughs> to be part there. of the process. <laughs> and I just, I just did what I usually do, is just pretend to listen to them and then still do what I want. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> and did, have you taught Mike everything he knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I trained them well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, did were there any overdubs done? Was anything else done Ooh, at all at Park Street, that. or was it? Um, I've got a feeling we we might have, you know. Oh, oh, did oh, I oh, say yes, something you, there? No, you did. We did. Memory of Water, didn't we record I've got, that? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. With you and Mark, because I, I have a memory of, of a, sorry, the pun, but I have a memory of it being recorded, and either we did it for some other album, or we did it at Park Street. I think it might. T- I think it might have been a you know a, a real latecomer, and we've got this thing. Yeah. And do you fancy just yeah, I'm sure recording this if we throw it down? And what do you think? I think that might have been the case. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I, I have too many memories of knowing how it's recorded. So, mm. and I, I seem to have a half a memory of of being in Past Street singing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And would yeah. that. Would that mean that that came together very quickly then? Because mm. it's relatively sparse oh, yeah. in terms of arrangement, isn't it? Yeah. There's not much to it, quarterly. It, it's it's pretty, certainly very straightforward by our bloody standards. Yeah, and, it would have and been... there's also not much arrangement. I mean, there's not a lot of the band on there, if that makes sense. Sure, there can't be a lot of overdubs, there can't be a lot of... No. I don't even know what instruments it's, are actually just on Just the key, the mark on the keyboard and, and Steve singing. And it, mm. it, But it's... It definitely was performed the two of them live, and I uh, there wasn't many takes. And I'm mm. sure it was just uh, maybe about four takes, and the last take was it. I don't mm. remember editing it or anything. It was just a matter right. of getting the performance right and feeling good. There was, there was no because I'm, I'm sure it was all in your head anyway, Steve. You, you knew exactly how where it was going to be. <sighs> I can't honestly remember. <laughs> Much as I'd love anymore. to take the credit for that, Dave. <laughs> oh, that no, no, that is. I, I think mean, you find it's all that, been in my head over the years. Yeah. <laughs> Up until the point when you asked about it, <laughs> but um, yeah. But but that is interesting because actually, that's I I really like that song. I think I think it's I think it's a fantastic piece of music and i always thought it slightly it fits but slightly doesn't fit the album because of the arrangement Mm -hmm. um and it sounds that it always sounded like something to me that could have been an ice cream genius actually right um um, do you know that's interesting you should say that because you've got me going again now i might even have tried to put that down when i was writing ice cream genius and at home in charlton you know, with a, and that might have been something I went back to Mark with yeah. and said, oh, "I've got these, you know, got these chords. Have you got some good sounds? And let's just try and uh, that rings a bell as well." Yeah, that would make sense. Mm. So you might, you might have uh, your your end because it's all the same timeline, right. isn't it? ICG and and, and AOS is uh, not AOS. Uh, um, TSC, the they Engine. were both being made at that same year. Same time. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Both being mm. put together, and I just got a feeling. It's a sort of almost, uh, in terms of the process, I think it might have been a similar process to how I wrote Better Dreams. I mean, I was just, you know, in in a room and a little string machine faffing about. 
Um, it might have come that way because the lyric was a, a John Helmer lyric. I contributed yeah. almost nothing to it except except blood and ecstasy, of course. <laughs> um, but but apart from that, I think it was all John's. So, so I was just looking at his lyrics thinking that's an interesting thing and there's something vaguely Shakespearean about it, I find. Oh, yes, yeah. 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 When, I, I, when I think of that song, it evokes that kind of um, imagery. Midsummer Night's kind Dream of, kind of... Yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah. He's lake. got... He's, yeah. Mm. All that Elizabethan kind of imagery is what I see in my head. Oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know why, Yeah, but, uh, but, but that's what comes about. But it's, it's the, definitely the track for me that links Ice Cream Genius and TSE together. Um, and, I, and I can't tell you why, but I could put that track on either album if that makes sense. Uh, it, it, you know, and, yeah, and he's the one that's slightly, sense. slightly out of kilter. Because most people point to hope, hope for the future as being the one on TSE that's that's the non Marillion track, but which which nonsense, obviously. But um, but yeah, um, Memory of Water is the one that I could I could move on to the solo project quite quite easily right. in my head. So it's interesting to hear that was done at Parr Street and relatively yeah. quickly as well. Yeah, oh yeah, it was. It, yeah, my memory of it is anyway. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, so of the things, what surprised you most then when you heard it? I mean, and again, I'm kind of alluding to Hope for the Future, but what, what was the thing that hit you as being, oh, okay, wasn't expecting that? Uh, in some respects, it, it was more... It was warmer and more intimate than I was expecting. Because mm. uh, I thought, in, in some respects, I thought um, it could they could have gone a more rockier way, uh, which was, I was glad, glad they didn't. But um, when I heard it, I was quite surprised it actually went the other way. Mm. It's got a went, folkier feel, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's more introverted and it's more emotional. And, you know, it's, it's, it was great. To be honest, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Because I didn't have all the stress of producing it, mm. so I just got to enjoy the music. Mm. So, you know, as it was, and it mm. was, um, yeah. So, so was it, Steve. Was there anywhere else when when you rec- when you did the arrangements then and pulled the tracks together? Was there anybody else at Racket in there offering an opinion, drawing it all together, doing that kind of pseudo production thing, or was it just all the band? Just everybody just. Well, Stuart Every, our engineer at the time, I think he recorded it, a racket. Um, so he he would have occasionally chipped in, I would have thought. I mean, it's very hard to to record anyone or anything and not not often express opinion. some kind of opinion. And more mm. often than not, I mean, we're the kind of band who would seek opinion as well. We, it wouldn't be like, you know, this is our idea, stay out of it. We probably would occasionally say, well, you know, do you think this is all right, or is it, you know, do you, is it fast enough? Because we're never fast enough. So my my constant uh, neurosis to this very day is: is this still ten bpm too slow? Um, oh, <laughs> you know, so and then you put the radio on and it's going boom, tip, boom, tip, boom, tip, boom, tip, boom, tip, boom, tip. everybody else is, is is going like that and we're 
Do do. Uh, so I'm always thinking, shit. I know we've already sped this up a lot, but shouldn't we speed it up a lot? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. uh, that's my yeah, yeah, neurosis yeah. always. Um, so we, I, I, I'd probably be going, Stuart. Is this fast enough? Uh, certainly, um, certainly tempo. Um, and he would have chipped in for sure. I think. Mm. I think he would have. Been, I, I mean, I can't. If you'd have asked me six months after we recorded it, I, I could probably tell you what he chipped in on. But yeah. um, is um, which album? Oh, that's dot com that goes on, isn't it? I think he. I think he yeah. chipped in a lot with that. Yeah, and then that's on dot com. Who the hell? It must have been Stuart who recorded. Oh, it was Stuart for definite. Yeah, because yeah. he helped me a lot with them. Um, we're just sort of explaining the tracks and whatever and the history of certain thing parts mm. but no overdubs and stuff and I, I would run things past him as well you know to mm. see did we do on, that on the, the, right the dreaded da88s then can you remember he, what what medium oh, did, had we recorded it on i'm almost sure it was um if it was after sunlight then it would have been the da88s mm. uh i can't see anything else i think Ah, oh, yeah, that was it. But we transferred some of it onto analog two inch, just to, for I think for the speed of the machines, right? Enough you know, to wait ten years for them all to lock up and things. Yeah, I remember running the mach- one of the two inch machines. It was that nightmare you had with that of this world on AOS as well. Wasn't it? You probably oh, weren't yeah, in yeah. a hurry to return to that. The endless glitches and tick. Did anybody oh, hear that? Uh, no, I don't know. Oh, God, no, I yeah, the ghost. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now you're bringing it back. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Another therapy session. So, um, and we'll we'll get to the end of TSA and get on to anorantophobia, but um, enjoyable process, just editing, uh, just mixing? Oh, God, yeah, very much so, yeah. Because yeah. it, it's, it's a, a tent of the stress. Hmm. You know, it's not... Um, and also, when you're involved in the production, the arrangement, whatever, you're as possessive as the band are about certain things. And it's hard to let those go. Whereas if you're just mixing... Um, that isn't really there. No, mm. there's just, is this good or isn't it? Rather exactly, than, am yeah, I yeah, invested yeah. in it? Yeah, that, exactly. That's the thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do, do you, this is going to sound like a bonkers question, or it, well, it'll either work or it won't, but do you mix in a different way? I, is it a lighter touch when you're just mixing if you're not, to your point, as invested in the, in the, in the, 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 the project? No. Do you, you, or does it change the way you? No. No. No, it, it's the first, yeah, because I've been looking a lot at this recently, actually. But um, the first thing is ju- you have to paint the overall picture for yourself, whether that's the right at the very beginning from the production, where you see this track going, what mm. will it be like in the end, long before you even got there. But mm. it's the same when you get a track to mix and you hear it. You either have to accept, oh, this with a, the vocal louder or then you go no no this has got to be completely different uh this is how i imagine it and now i have to get it there so it's um it, it's the same process but just on a, a more a narrow much narrower scale right but yeah right okay so actually being deeply invested and hearing uh, following the whole journey through doesn't alter i was con- no. i was wondering whether you you kind of over mixed if you if you were too close to no the no no because um well, no, the thing about when you've produced it and engineered it, you know where everything is. Nothing gets lost. Yeah. Uh, 
Whereas if you just come to a track and you've got two days to do it and it's the first time you've heard it properly, especially as a multi-track, say, so you know what each individual part is, A, you won't know what are the priority parts. You'll, you'll yeah. decide that yourself, which might not be what has been the priority parts. Uh, and also, you won't treat parts as precious or you, or you won't necessarily have a predetermined image of them. Right. So, that, so that when you're trying to achieve that image, it can be, if you haven't achieved it in the recording sometimes, it's it's your last chance to do it in the mixing. But yes. if you're just coming along to it new and you're just mixing it, that previous journey isn't there. So you don't have to battle with that to start off with. That, you know, it's somehow failed to get to where you wanted it to right. before mixing. So yeah. Which is the better way of saying what I was trying to say, which is actually that that if you come to it totally fresh, you've got what you've got, you deal with it as it, as it is, you take yeah, it completely yeah, on yeah, its yeah, merits. Yeah, You're not actually yeah. trying to compensate for something, which is, you know, no, you might that not rarely works. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Because you'll find you're that's not... something they were trying, probably tried to do months ago. Yeah. And, it, you know, you're just going to chase your tail after they've gone and chased their tail for six months. So. You're not trying to fix it in the mix because in reality you've got you see nothing to fix. You're just trying to present it the best way you possibly can, essentially. Yes. Especially yeah. with someone like, you know, Marillion. It's not it's it's gonna be good anyway, so uh There's just... gonna be plenty to choose from. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, it, it's yeah, it, it's it, it's not difficult. I mean you get I didn't do much external mixing for other people. So as a process I don't enjoy it. I do now, ish, but um, but not back then. It is it, it was too. There's a mathematical element to it I don't like. If that makes sense, right? Because you're always trying to get something else in, get something else in, get something else in, and if you're not careful, you start looking at the next thing that you're going to add to the mix, and that that's not how it should work. It should start. If you get it right, you should start with the vocal and then add everything else. And that's kind of when I took a huge break from music, which I'm still on. Um, they one thing I noticed is that everything I listen to is always guided by the vocal. Absolutely everything. If the vocal doesn't meet, if if the vocal doesn't appeal to me, no way on earth will the track appeal to me. Mm. You know, so that that was an important thing to learn, and it's, and it's the same in you know when you come to mixing it as well. They should always start uh, the vocals, the priority, and that was I, I met Bob Clearmountain quite a few times. That's something he always focused on. He always started on the vocal, you know, because that's especially in his world because it's more pop in a way. Yeah, that's what sells. So. Yeah, and and the kind of stuff he's done, the vocal sits very high up. Oh it's yeah, very yeah, prominent. Yeah, 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 very, mm. and it's a. Uh, Cool. Well, well, we'll nip off for a bit of diary. Um, I've no oh. idea what's in it because I've not even read it this week. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if I just... <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. I have, obviously. <laughs> yes, obviously. Uh, professional. Obviously, obviously. yeah. Uh, where are we? I don't know. Oh, Books upside down. Lovely. Oh, Grocer Fryhart. Oh, River. Oh, yes. Was this Simon Lake and his body piercings or was that another time? I think it might have been, to be honest. can't remember. All I can remember about the Grocer Freiheit is that the Beatles played there and Simon Lake told me about his Prince Albert <laughs> over breakfast, which isn't which puts you off your beans a bit. Um, it's going to affect yes. your relationship with sausage. Yes. But, um, I reversed the truck in 
to the gig as well. Not, I didn't, I wasn't behind the wheel. I was at the back going, plenty of room, come on, <laughs> left hand down, left hand down. Oh, Jesus, hang on a minute. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, there'll be a bit of that, but there's, as we're coming back today, there's not going to be any questions, so it doesn't matter that I've not read it this week. Uh, <laughs> normal service will resume next week, folks. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave you in, in Mr. H's capable diary reading hands. No. Here it comes. <laughs> Hamburg. Tuesday, 26th of September. London, day off. Slept late and arrived down in the lobby of the Hyatt in time for a quick cup of coffee before departure at 12 with Paul and Pete for London. It rained hard all the way from Cardiff to Kensington, making it almost impossible to see the M4 motorway through the windscreen. So although I'm not normally a nervous passenger, I heaved a sigh of relief as we pulled into the car park of the Kensington Hilton at around 430 I don't like the Ken Hilton much. It's old and shabby and they have a habit of checking other people into your room while you're out. Back in 89, we were shooting the promo vid for the uninvited guest somewhere in Notting Hill. I was booked into the Ken Hilton for two nights and after staying there overnight, I was on set from around 7.30am, falling back through the door around 2am the following morning. When I got upstairs and opened my room door, there was someone else sleeping in my bed. I had been checked out. My toilet bag and several shirts left in the room had been discarded and lost. I had to return to reception and try and persuade the night porter to give me another room so that I could sleep. Not what you want after a 19-hour day at work. Anyway, here I was again. The budget, unfortunately, wouldn't stretch to the lovely Halcyon Hotel down the road. Shame. I dropped my bags in room 3036 and decided to have a wander around Kensington Market before the shops closed. I took a cab through the rainy, elegant streets of Holland Park and got stuck in traffic on Kensington High Street. When I got out of the cab, the meter was showing £6.40. Just call it a fiver, mate, said the cab driver, proving that there's still a sense of fairness to be found in this city. I made my way through the narrow bohemian aisles of Kensington Market, past the stalls of T-shirts, jewellery and second-hand clothes. P.S. I must have got distracted after that. There's no further mention of the day or the show. Kensington Market has long since ceased to exist. A shame. It was an Aladdin's cave of second-hand clothes and an arty, antique treasure trove of a place. I always used to love wandering around there. Saturday, 30th of September, Luxembourg, Dudelange Sports Hall. Dudelange, Dudelange. As I write this, I'm sitting at the front of the tour bus alongside Robbie, our bus driver who arrived yesterday in Rotterdam from England. We're on our way to Luxembourg and at the moment I'm looking out through the front screen as the road winds through the green wooded hills of southern Belgium. It's not a bad day. Sun shining through broken cloud. My shoulder still hurts. Yesterday's massage seemed to help, although the muscle tissue is now bruised as a consequence of the vicious manipulation of the thumbs of Joss, the masseur. Ouch. 
I'm more or less living on beer and ibuprofen at the moment. We eventually arrived at the gig in Luxembourg. I thought I'd been here before, but I haven't. It's a little sports hall. There was an interview for TV, so I freshened up and put a proper shirt on. Sunday, 1st of October. Hamburg, Grosse Freiheit. I'm sitting at the ship-shaped bar in the restaurant of the Hotel Hafen in Hamburg. It's 11.10am and unfortunately there are no rooms available to us until this afternoon. Never mind. I'm drinking coffee in industrial quantities and watching the river. The Hafen overlooks the Elbe and the docks of Hamburg. There are huge dry docks here, large enough to service ocean-going ships, and from my bar stool I can see the bow of one large freighter stretching away into the distance. Last time I was here, I had a memorably bad gig, where voice problems and a strange vibe in the crowd combined together and I allowed myself to get rattled. I remember sitting on my bed in tears after the show, hoarse and dispirited, ashamed at having lost my temper with the crowd. I also remember the honey and pineapple diet I started here at the Hafen, a recommendation by Jeff, the monitor engineer, in an attempt to repair my damaged voice. So far on this tour, vocal problems have been minimal, touch wood, and I'm determined to make amends tonight for last time. Well, I gave up waiting for a room to become available and decided I would take a walk down to the gig and have breakfast and catering. I wandered along the Raperbahn, past endless sex shops, live sex show theatres and shops that sell hi-fi goods, cameras, knives and guns. What a place. And eventually found my way to the Grosser Freiheit, our gig for tonight, which I was later to learn is next door to the old Star Club where the Beatles cut their teeth. The crew bus was parked outside the stage door, but unfortunately Simon hadn't yet arrived with the truck. Out in the street were a great many people just standing around. Opposite the club there is a Polish church, which was full to overflowing with Sunday churchgoers. The people in the street were selling things. I never found out what was for sale because they advertised their wares on little strips of paper that are fastened to the lampposts. But there was a man in a Mercedes who was selling Polish magazines which were all laid out on the rear parcel shelf. When Simon arrived with the truck, he couldn't find a way into the street. They're narrow and lined with parked cars. He eventually negotiated his way slowly up the Grosser Freiheit as the people looked on curiously. I lay down in the road in front of the huge truck, so it was a bit of a spectacle. The side road with the backstage door was even narrower, so Simon had to reverse the huge trailer into the street while everyone looked on. For a moment, it seemed impossible, until the gates of the church were opened so that he could put the front of the truck into the churchyard, which gave him the few extra inches to make it possible. I installed myself in the catering area and helped Helen and Amy set up their things so that I could make myself some toast and coffee. They were listening to In Excess on their cassette machine as I sipped my coffee, contemplating, once again, what would induce a man to leave Helena Christensen for Paula Yates. Once the truck was unpacked, Simon arrived in catering and announced he was going to pop down the road to get his nipples pierced and get another tattoo. 
We chatted for a while about body piercing and I came out of the conversation with my mind somewhat broadened. He showed me a catalogue of components from a company based in Brighton. It included labia rings, penis and anal inserts and a kind of can that is designed to house the scrotum with optional accessories including a screw press which applies pressure to the said organs. It included a cautionary note, quote, Please take care. This device is designed for sophisticated enjoyment, but can be dangerous. Just when you think you've been around and seen everything, you find out you're an old prude. I wished Simon luck and returned to the Hafen Hotel around three. They had a room ready at last, so I checked in and watched half the German Grand Prix, falling asleep halfway through. It's a good job I wasn't driving. Rondor had left me a package in reception, a pen and a letter from new edition Chris Bell, husband of my old chum Sylvia Bell who runs Virgin in Hamburg. They were both coming to the soundcheck and would see me later. Sure enough, they did. I had lost contact with Sylvia some years ago. She was the first person to let me hear the Hats album by the Blue Nile. That was in Hamburg back in 91. I remember sitting in her car by the River Elbe, listening to the downtown lights for the first time. I still see the Silver River and the big ships sailing majestically and somehow, sadly, out to sea whenever I hear the song. We chatted for a while and she invited me to lunch tomorrow on my day off. Paul had a word with her and asked if she might find a masseur and acupuncturist to give me another going over tomorrow. She said she'd call in the morning and let us know. Soundcheck was uneventful. We returned to the Hafen and, as I'd been asleep for most of the afternoon, I had a beer in the bar with Paul. The gig went well. The atmosphere in the crowd was much better than last time and I was enjoying myself. During the first encore, I found myself singing Walk on the Wild Side. Everyone joined in with the doop 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 doops If a city were to have an anthem, then this must surely be Hamburg's. Returned to the hotel, wondering if I'd done enough to repair the faith that many might have lost from last time. We had actually only sold half as many tickets. People tend to vote with their feet. And we're back. Um, and I'd love to say I enjoyed the diary, but I've not heard it yet, uh, and I've not read it yet, so I can't tell you anything about it. I was uh, great. And <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to turn to anarachnophobia. So just to get this right in my head, uh, before I get told off by and, and, and people writing to politely correct, anarachnophobia is the first album that was effectively crowdfunded. Yes. Yes, they all nodded in the infirmary. They all nodded. And you can pick up this story, H, but essentially you, the, 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 the band had the idea to ask people to pay up front for something before it had been written. That's right, isn't it? We'd become increasingly frustrated that the, we, we'd never had any trouble getting a record deal 
which sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Um, but the reason we never had any trouble getting a record deal is because we've got a quite a substantial fan base. And so the record label's concern realised that if they gave us X amount of money as an advance, they'd be picking up 10 times X amount of money in about eight months' time, which is more than they'd get in the bank or in the pension fund. So it was a no-brainer, you know. In fact, I'm I'm surprised we weren't approached by venture capitalists, let alone record labels. (laughs) Um, And and we we would make a record. Uh, We'd sit in meetings where they'd promise all kinds of promotion and then they'd put the record out and not really promote it because any promotion is a bit of a drain on the profits. Um, so that was one frustration. And then the other frustration was going into these record labels, sitting down opposite somebody who would be telling us what to do and what they were going to do, and we'd all be sitting there thinking, we've forgotten more about the music business than this kid knows, and he's telling us what to do. Um... So there must be a better way. Uh, what, what is it we really need? And we thought, uh, oh, it's the money. All we really need, you know, we could almost go to the bank and get a bank loan to make this next record and then pay it back later, um, which we... I mean, if, if the banks had a bit more foresight, they'd have been, they'd have been knocking on our door because it's, it's, you mm. know, it's a dead cert as an investment. Um, so we thought we need the money. And then at the same time as we were thinking that, the American, the Americans had, had off their own bat embarked upon this tour fund and raised all this money without us asking. And so it fell in our lap and, and the obvious thing to do then was to simply ask the fans if they'd mind awfully buying the record we hadn't even recorded yet. And that wasn't risky either because we could email them all up front because email had started to happen by then. The the year before, we would have had to write to them (laughs) and they would have had to write back and that that would have cost a fortune and taken six months. So suddenly there was email which cost nothing and took no time at all. Um, So we could poll the fans and just go, we've had this idea, how would you feel about buying the album we haven't made yet because if you do you'll set us free and everybody came back and went yeah where do i send the money and we all thought shit why don't we think of this years ago but it probably wouldn't have worked years ago because there wasn't the internet and the technology to make it happen so we did that and that was anarachnophobia which gave us um more money than a record label had ever given us. Um, we, we suddenly had an awful lot of money in the bank, three or 400,000 quid. Um, and that, that saw us through the project. And then once we'd mixed the project, we could go to a major label and say, hey, it's us, how do you fancy putting our record out? So the first stop naturally was EMI because we'd been with EMI and we knew the people. And we had a meeting and I remember playing uh, Fruit of the Wild Rose in that, in that meeting because I think David just finished mixing it. 
or he'd got a good rough of it or something. And we went in, played that, and they all went, ooh, oh, this is lovely, isn't it? And we went, well, yeah, do you want to put it out? It's free. <laughs> uh, and they all went, ooh, ooh, this is unusual, you know, yeah. And we said, well, there's a catch, you know, you, you can't have the first 15,000 sales. We're having them, you know, and they, they did a bit of mental arithmetic and realised there was still plenty of money to be made and they were in. So then we got the best of both worlds. We were back with a major label, but we were there on our terms and we'd licensed the record to them rather than gone cap in hand, yeah. you know, for, for, a, for, for a normal royalty deal. So that was it. And that's, that's, that was the process by which, for the first time ever, um, a product was crowdfunded by anyone. Mm. And, of course, what this meant was that you could then make the decision to bring Dave in at the get-go. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have yeah. to worry about that. We had a great relationship with Dave. We knew, we knew he was the right, right man to, to interpret our, our, our um, something bigger and better. Um, and he was cheap. Were you cheap? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I never saw any of my money. That's, that's not my job, Dave. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you've got to ask the drummer about the money. I'll stay out of it. There's a, there's a phrase that strikes fear. That's not my job. You've got to ask the drummer about the money. I could phone Mosley here and now and ask him if oh, Dave was cheap. You know the exact. But uh, he's on holiday. I can't yeah. get him. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, but he's inside. He's, he's, he's not on the beach. He's, he's, just... he's in Rio <laughs> spending the money. He <laughs> <laughs> should be at Cape and Bay, <laughs> counting it. <laughs> um, so, so you were back in at the beginning then, um, having just talked about how relaxing and how nice the process was yeah. of just mixing. You were back yeah. in at the. You were back in at the. Back at the on your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where'd go? Cataloging well, I'd just, I'd like a man just possessed. Come out of, I'd, in fact, I'd been living almost the, the previous year just down the road from them anyway in Oxford, working on another album, uh, and I was brain dead after that. And I remember meeting Ian. Was it Ian and Mark in Browns in Oxford? And he mentioned about the album. And, uh, yeah, and I, I was quite excited, actually, because I sort of... Because uh, I knew what the music would be like, roughly, and it was going to be very different to what I was doing. And uh, it, it just sounded, like, perfect for the time. And, uh, yeah, but that was... It happened pretty quickly, I think, after that. It went, started off with the usual jamming sessions, which, in a way, mm. were very different. But... um. Yeah, because it was what well, I discovered. There seemed to be a new Pete there. Uh, he just come to life completely, from from sort of the last time I'd met him, and he was buzzing on all cylinders. I mean, he was like, he'd have an idea for everything. His playing was fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was. He was a real spark. He sort of often was the, if someone else sort of lit the spark he'd throw the petrol on it so to speak uh you know you, you could hear that in the album like quartz and stuff and uh 
if my heart was about the bass playing is just you know it's just it's something else really and a lot of it and uh yeah and he just pushed he, he was really in the room quite strong uh mm. and more in the room than in previous times and, and you didn't have to think about motivating him at all he was like ready to go every day maybe that was after his accident mm. because he'd had that road accident um I can't remember when when exactly that happened relative to the discography, but he he had a really nasty accident and was oh, really? in intensive care and a whole deal, and they had to rebuild his leg and uh, he was knocked off his bicycle on the A forty one, and during that process um, of of getting better, he gave up drink because he used to drink yeah, quite yeah. a lot. Um, and hasn't had a drink since. So it may yeah. well have been that what you were suddenly experiencing was uh, Pete, or A, off the drink, and yeah. B, having had that near-death epiphany, <laughs> yeah, epiphany and thinking, shake you, up a bit. you know, I'm, I'm yeah. going to do great stuff because I'm yeah, still yeah. alive, you know, the, the way that quite often a, a nasty accident, people come out of it with a, with, with a new set of perspectives. Um, yeah. And a determination to to squeeze a bit more out of life because they they see it for what it is, you know, it's something more uh, eph- ephemeral and uh, fragile. Yeah. Um, so that might have been. I don't know this for a fact. Yeah, but yeah That yeah, would yeah. certainly explain it if it was at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it probably it could easily been at the time because yeah. But, um. Yeah, no, it was very, very different. He's still like that now when we're writing. He, he's always oh, I bet. stuck yeah, in, yeah, yeah. you know, and he's so musical. And he was like that on Marbles as well, so it, it was it was like a rebirth, I suppose. Mm. But, uh, yeah, and, he's, and very useful to have because he's so musical. You know, you can sort of pick his brain on anything. Exactly. You know, he's... Uh, I think back in the old days when he was drinking a lot, he was such a good musician, he could get away with it. Probably, you know, yes. So, yeah, you're dead right. You know, he could do yeah. stuff sloshed that yeah, m- was... most straight people couldn't manage. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So once he straightened out, you know, yeah. he was really like yeah, a laser yeah, yeah. beam. Yeah. No, but you're right, absolutely. in one respect, the, 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 the album's got loads of energy. Yeah. Loads and loads of energy. If I think, uh, and I've not thought about it as, a, as, as like that, as like a bundle of energy, but compared with... Probably anything since AOS, it's probably the most energetic album, and it hits you really hard at the beginning. Yeah. And and there's some really, it's really, it's a really dynamic album. You know, Quartz is a great yeah. example, but there's there's lots in there, uh, and 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 it seems to be forthright and at you and energetic in a way that 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 maybe nothing had been for a few albums. Um, it's a it's a definite punch in it's the face. It's quite I different think. musically, uh, isn't yeah. it, to what had preceded it as well. It, it's it's you know we'd gone into exploring another place, you know, or another yeah. aspect of mm. ourselves. There's a there's a there's a there's a slight eccentricity to it as well, almost. Um, you know, some of the imagery, some of the some of the lyrical uh, stuff as well, some of the things that's mm. touched on. I don't mean that in a in a, in a nasty way. I mean, it's just, it's not bound by anything. No. But one thing I always find strong about it is the fact that, especially when it was made, because it was made 2001, pre-9-11, but 
there's a lot of things on the album that point. It's obviously a new century. No one has a clue what's going to happen. Mm. And it's kind of Steve's mm. picking his way through it. And it's like, um, like when I meet God is sort of the spiritual side. And then 21st century is like the physical monetary side of the future. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of both at opposite ends to each other, but they're saying the same thing in some respects. And then I'm prophesizing what would come later in some respects as well. But, uh, mm. Yeah, that was eerie. The old yeah. man up at the mirrored building. Yeah. In the in the wake of what was um, to follow. So, you're in there from the get-go, Dave. Um, and and you, I mean, the first thing you said is obviously Pete. You know, Pete feels like a different, uh, slightly different personality in the room. What about the 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 process? Had it refined itself in the sort of three album gap? Um, did, was it exactly the same as it was on OS? Had it had it moved on? No, it was similar, but like there, there was very a few vital different ingredients. One was Pete, but also Steve Ruddery had got a new sequencer, and he he I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, he used to come up with some like in the morning before jamming. He'd sometimes come up with little sequences or loops, and just have them running, and then someone come in and play along with them. And uh, yeah, he was working with that. It was a pedal, but it was by a keyboard. It wasn't no, the Moog, but I'm trying to think who did it. It was a weird little thing, it was, wasn't it? Was it was the Zoom pedal. Yeah, uh, which is that—that's what uh, 21st century is. Uh, all the guitar on that is through that. But no, this was a big yeah. monster of a keyboard. Oh right, it had okay. all internal loops and stuff, and like the the, the sort of the loop behind um, quartz was there. Oh, and the loop behind um, when I meet God, yeah, when I meet God, yeah, that they were all sort of the origins. You know, they were there from the very first jam of it, so to speak, mm. and because uh, they were just sort of running, and they weren't running, they weren't added later. They were actually there, and then everybody else played something on top of it or played around with it, and that was that was different to before. The the other thing, mm-hmm. of course, was that we'd all had. Six months out as a band, um, and I went away and made ICG. And that was interesting in the sense that when we got back together to start the jam sessions, which were to be for anarachnophobia, we hadn't seen each other much. Um, and so I, I arrived, it was like a breath of fresh air returning to the band because I'd been away from the band and that sort of familiarity breeding contempt thing had had gone away, um, you know, with getting away and then coming back and having gone away and worked with some other really good musicians and and fairly famous musicians as well with with their own le- their own legacies, coming back into this band, I sud- I could I could sort of see these four musicians for what they were for the, maybe for the first mm. time really which is what was special about them became really apparent and for me and and so i went into the, this project with a lot of enthusiasm and and quite and, and a lot of love and respect for for the band not not that i didn't have that but it was a re-evaluation and a breath of fresh air to have to have been away, done other things, 
and then return to the the uh, it was like returning to earth you know or or the mothership or whatever you want to call it mm. um and and see it for what it was and have a better feeling of what was special about it than than i could having uh, having done the first 10 years with it you know mm. uh, that that made a difference i think to the creative energy in the room yeah definitely definitely and it was a lot less friction at times as well I, I noticed between, that between would, all of you. That would have been the same, I think, because everybody yeah, was yeah. just thinking, hang on a minute, you know, I know what I've missed here. I know what I've been yeah, missing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So everybody, yeah. everyone was, was without maybe without even thinking about it too much, everyone was respecting everyone else yeah. more than they had in the past. True, very true, actually. Um, was the, did everything come out of those jamming sessions was the much that was brought in uh, as in was the much carryover from dot com or was everything fairly fresh i know that i know that a couple of the boys had got together in my absence and and done quite a bit of work on on some things that didn't really then work out but but also brought things to the table from cold which which they probably couldn't have without being. I'm thinking of Fruit of the Wild Rose. That that yeah. was, that was a thing that they'd been cooking up together in my absence. Um, the verse and chorus, if, if it's got a chorus, but, uh, and you know, and then I, I threw through the words that that I had on that, and it became what it is. I think it's a really special track. It's precious to me, but oh, yeah. it's not overly commercial. We we don't play it very much because it's so moody, um, and also the end section, which with the choppy acoustic guitars, that groove. There aren't enough people in the band to play it, <laughs> so so doing it live, you need you really could do with an extra couple of guitarists because you need someone to hold that bunch whilst everybody they need to hold that down like almost loop solid but in a groove, and we've tried doing it by putting that acoustic into a machine as a loop. But then it's too solid and it doesn't groove. Mm. Um, so you, we could really do it, with a shit hot acoustic guitar player to stick that down live, you know, <laughs> in real time. It, it, it almost it almost sounds like a track that the H band had, had probably. Yeah, we'd off. probably have enough players. You know, we could get yeah. we, we 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 could get Greg's to stick that loop down and you know, or what is that acoustic guitar? repetitive loop and well you know and Aziz could show off on top mm. <laughs> not that you can Hems stop Aziz showing uh, off <laughs> no <laughs> no he's going to do that anyway but no it does sound like that kind of because I mean there's other things as well that just scream live from the album so between you and me just screams like a, a you know a, a track you play live particularly an opening track separated out screams as a song that you'd play you know, there's there's other things on the album that scream far more live tracks than than maybe it's separated than, than maybe out on the rose as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. what a cracker! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant track. I've come to that track yeah, late. I, okay. I didn't I didn't get it at first, and I absolutely adore it now. Um, uh, so heart was if my heart were was a ball is another one that's taken me a while to get I love to. That one. 
and and I, and I really like that as well. That that didn't hit, you know, between you and me, hit straight away. Quartz hit straight away. Uh, you know, when I meet God, hit straight away. But some of the others took a little while. And um, isn't there? Was there anything? Because I'm trying to think. Is is that the album that number one was on, but didn't make the album? That was about Whitney Houston, actually. That song. All right. Uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion it's on the extra disc with the. Uh, Mm. That, that came with that came with hang on two seconds I'll, I'll get it off the <laughs> oh. shelf hang on because mm. hadn't you done something in some other studio for a week a writing session before I even got involved we have to take my glasses off now or am I mixing up albums I don't know can't remember number yes. one on there yeah Number one is on disc two. So disc two had a remix of Fruit of the Wild Rose, which I've got a sneaking suspicion that Mark... No, Mark remixed Between You and Me. There's a remix of Separated Out by somebody else, and but the, the number one is the first is the first track. Is it? Mm. I wrote those words on holiday. I think I was listening to Whitney Houston on the radio. <laughs> um, and Whitney's a great, you know, God rest her soul, amazing singer technically, but... Um, Quite often, well, she was probably she probably got the Sony music on her neck, uh, but you know, I think I I think we we could have had a lot more out of Whitney if if they weren't trying to trying to make her be a megastar, um, and so I I I I thought there was I mean there still is but but more so back then there was this tendency. For major record labels to find these incredible singers mm. and push them into all of these vocal acrobatics because mm. they could do it, and you'd end up losing the meaning of the song or the soul, mm. or maybe this song wouldn't have any meaning in the first place, you know. But there would be it'd be like singers showing off. Uh, so that's that's real. I was. It's a song about ambition, you know. Don't you ever wonder if this will to win is a weakness because mm. I think it often is and of course the problem with all those vocal acrobatics is they begat people trying to do it on karaoke who clearly couldn't do it <laughs> well um, I'd, I'd almost <laughs> rather hear that there's a lot of humour in that <laughs> exactly you could have a good laugh <laughs> well particularly because the kind of people who want to do that on karaoke really mean it as well oh, yeah. they really really mean it yeah. well I can't do it so probably cheer me up to hear somebody else who can't as well. <laughs> can't do it as well but no yeah it is on there it's on the second it's on the second disc so because uh, that's another track that's a little bit lost in the in the in the in the kind of Merlion canon really um, you know it's because it's so simple and so sparse that Again, you know, it's hard to get, and because we're a democracy, it's very hard to get and get all five members of the band to vote for something they're not involved in. <laughs> it's the same as, and I mention this this to you a lot. It's the same with Circular Ride because I love Circular Ride as well, oh, and God. that's another one that just gets. Oh yeah, yeah. That, was, that, that was the new truck. That started at Afraid of Sunlight, and it went. It got tried on every single album, even ones when I wasn't there. I'm sure, and. uh that was going around and well, circular ride, isn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, it was always showing up, always showing up, but could never get it to work. You played it live. It was played live uh, uh, on a tour when an album wasn't ready, and it kind of if the two or three tracks that were 
thrown out, that was one of the ones that was thrown out. It, 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 yeah. I think it must have nearly made it onto um, Anor- Happiness Anorak, is the Road, I think. Oh, I mean. It's a lot later because it's the same one that... Uh, you, 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 I'm sure you played that on a night when you played Real Tears for Sale. Well, they were all on a... We had a little mini, a mini CD, DVD, CD, and those two were on it and... I don't know why you, it was. It's the end of some session, period of time, and I I did a made up a sort of rough mix of about five tracks, and they were potentials for must have been for Anorak. It could have been for Early Marbles. I'm not sure, but uh, they were all on it. Real Tears for Sale, uh, Circular Ride. Oh, I've probably still got it actually. Oh, Dave, um, if you can dig that out. Oh, that'd be. I'll dig it out for next time because I, right, I, okay. I I have got a box of everything and it, yeah. it will be in there. I, I remember I coloured I coloured them all in green and yellow. I remember doing that. Some you got ten green weeks. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that definitely exists. I can't, but I can't remember. Was it before anorak? I was it before marbles. Hmm. Occupational um, therapy. That's what. It <laughs> <laughs> Final question then before we get on to because this is going to be a belt of an episode in terms of uh, in terms of time and I don't really think we've touched on as, as much of anorachnophobia as we could have done but um but is there a bit of anorachnophobia you're most proud of uh was there a particular song that sticks in your head is that what what's the one now that you think back of and think yeah did a good job on that I'm going to throw this one in your direction as well, H. Oh, it's tough. I mean, because I love When I Meet God and I love um, The Fruit of the Wild Rose and I love uh, 21st Century. Uh, but it's very hard to compare them to each other because they're mm. all so achieving different things. You know, you can't really compare. Yeah, because then it's, it's like um, If My Heart Was a Ball. It's like a prelude to... Um, what do you call it? Um, uh, on marbles. Drilling holes. Sorry. Yeah. I think separated out while, while it's got that little <laughs> edge of, uh, of eccentricity on it. But I also think there's bits of separated out to me that sound a bit like Sergeant Pepper, bizarrely, yeah. in some of the samples. Well, it's, it's, got the, cir- a, it's the circus thing, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Because we took. I mean, I that that lyric was sort of born out of my Edinburgh Playhouse dope eating experience, where I lost <laughs> lost the past completely, uh, and had to go and do a gig without knowing any of the songs, uh, which was character building, frankly, and and pretty terrifying, uh, and so that that. That lyric started out from from that, uh, you know, feeling like a, an alien, um, and I think after we started to pull that together, Dave, it took it took you to that Freaks movie, didn't it? Yeah. Well, no, actually, it, it it was Eric. Was that, it? Um, he, uh, I can't remember. Eric came up with the actual physical name of the movie i remember that right he mentioned he mentioned some eric was somehow in the link right coming about with it and then i watched i managed to get hold of the dvd of the original movie mm. and watched, and it was just incredible as a movie and then it, and it just matched the lyrics so much i mean it yeah. was like it could have been in the original 
so then once once that it had sort of once we were then referencing that movie to a degree, then we were we were referencing the freak show. Um Am I enough of a freak to be worth paying to see? It was something I'd got in, in the lyric anyway. And I think that took Eric to the freaks, which which then took, took Dave to the movie. Um, uh, yeah, and the, the Dutch fans were called freaks, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that had given me a nudge as well. But I think I think freaks are worth paying to see more than <laughs> more than ordinary people. Well, that's because, reality TV, isn't it? Yeah, they're more interesting. Yeah, because uh, you think there's a part of you that says, "Well, thank God I'm not like that." <laughs> so, <laughs> and you keep so thinking. I, yeah. I was I was <laughs> I was asking that question. And so then, of course, that took us straight beyond the freak show to the circus. And so then Mark was putting all those little uh, barrel organy sort of runs mm. in. And then uh, you you can't help then uh, feeling a bit of the benefit of Mr. Mr. Kite. Kite. Mm. Yeah, true. So that's mm. that's maybe your Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, that's feeling. definitely the way in. And I think uh, the, the, the 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 slight edge to the lyrics of both of those songs as well. I mean, obviously he he that that was vir- he lifted that virtually off a poster, didn't he, uh, Lennon? Um, the lyrics for that, I think. Yeah, he saw a poster in an antique shop, I think. Yeah, um, but there's a, there's a you know there's a bit of that sort of that that eccentric kind of type of edge to those lyrics as well you know just a little bit in there that's that 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 is is a bit lennon-esque um you know for me um but no anything about any particular track on the album for you h that you look back on and go yeah shout the titles out then because i'm i I always forget what's on everything i've got i've got to to Um, take my glass off to read it it's um, terrible in it between you and me quartz mm Uh, map of the world, which we haven't talked about, have we? Oh my lord! Uh, when, I, when I meet God, through to the world. I'm trying to avoid that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, bastard. Uh, separated out. Uh, 21st century. If my heart were a ball. Cool. Well, I suppose um, as a as a in in view of of what happened afterwards, this is the 21st century is probably the one. Um, might not necessarily be the song I would most look forward to playing live, but in terms of of a statement, mm. um, uh, it it, it, it kind of defined where we were going, and I think we can still sort of absolutely t- today. You know, I still think we're living in the it's somehow in the wake of that song, or or, or in amongst in amongst that. You know what it was saying, and 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 all of those d- dark um, dark noises that Rothers was making throughout it are, are are good good pictures for what we're still living through now. Mm. Absolutely, and we have, as you rightly said, not 
mentioned Map of the World, which had its slight lyrical challenge, I believe. <laughs> yeah, um, I kept I kept rewriting it and taking it to Dave and going, "What about this?" No, 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 no. Fucking hell! Just just try and write another one. Bloody no! The crazy thing about that is when you listen to the songs on the album, that's not the one that sounds like it was complicated. If that if that isn't too disingenuous to say. It sounds like something that just, oh, that's a nice, easy, lovely five-minute slice of pop. song, no. Um, it is out of the comfort zone a bit, though, isn't it? Uh, it is in the sense, mainly, that um, normally when we're writing, I, I've, I've got a lot of words, and the words sort of become the... the, the words sort of drive the vehicle... Um, and in the case of Map of the World, we, we'd got a really interesting musical vehicle mm. that mm. I'd got nothing for and I didn't know what to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I can't even remember what I brought to the table, but it, it wasn't light in your lights, was it? And, no. and so you kept sending me away again. Um, yeah. And um, in the end, somebody suggested... I perhaps try co-writing with someone else in the hope of unlocking it, and I just ha- happened to to know Nick Ead, who at that point was languishing in a plantation house <laughs> in Barbados, and suddenly that seemed like a very good idea indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? I can yeah. go to Barbados, What's come back with nothing, happen? and go. Oh, really? Sorry. Here's my bu- yeah. here's my invoice. Here's the. Yeah. Here's a bill for the flies. Um, so I went went to Barbados and uh, Nick, go bless him, um, you know, came back with that idea for the chorus. She's got a map of the world pinned up on her wall. And so I was able to come back with that and then write write the verses. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah it's a it's a lovely song. It's yeah, a really yeah, lovely it song. It's a lovely a, a lovely song that was a should have been a, a, a hit single. Well, it's a song about what's possible, isn't it? Mm. In a in an otherwise dreary life, if 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 you if you've got that fire in your belly to go out and get it, mm. but it but it it ticks all the boxes for something that was also should have been absolutely radio friendly. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that yeah, really, yeah. Dave. I mean, if you think about it, with with any other name on the tin, that yeah, but we did. You're in the lap of so many gods aren't you? Yeah. with with that whole process of getting on the radio um it probably wasn't too long after that that we that we gave up trying or even having a kind of nose in the air for the the radio sensibility i, I think we think that it probably wasn't long after that that we thought you know what there's no point worrying about this anymore because a nobody's ever going to play us on the radio, <laughs> and b it's not really what we do. So let's just do what we do. Forget all about it. And you know, I mean, we could write an absolute bloody dead cert nailed to the wall hit tomorrow. Nobody'd play it. No. We're all sixty-five for Christ's sake. <laughs> no, it's just. I think it's just with that that. It's probably the most obvious single to in my to me. It's the most obvious single since Beautiful. Oh yeah. So in the right. three album gap in between, I don't think there's a song on yeah. TSE or on Radiation or .com 
that sounds like a single until you get to that. And maybe that's It was me. approached a bit like that as well, similar to Beautiful. I know from my point of view, because it reminded me of Downtown. Uh, oh, late yeah, 60s. Right. Yeah, and I used, which I used to love Downtown. as a kid. Yeah. But it, had, it's, it lit the same lights. You know, mm. it, was sort of a, it was a cure to your problems in a way, that song. Uh, and that's why I was probably a bit possessive, not possessive, but waiting for the right words. It was just so that that's how I sensed the music was trying to tell you. I just needed the words to sort of tie up with it. Hmm. I think it was worth the wait. I think it was worth the trip. <laughs> there we go. It was worth you you slumming it in the Caribbean. <laughs> the pain I went through, Ant. <laughs> I can't tell you. Well, if you if if you will eat things off the floor. Oh, no, let's not talk about you, any of that. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk Another about near that. Another near-death experience. Near-death experience <laughs> number nine. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that's TCD 70. Thank, thanks, Dave, again. Uh, and, and thanks in advance for 80 um, <laughs> when, we, when we do it all again with Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, you, you're absolute star for coming along. Thank you. Um, and, uh, and we'll be back with normal, as normal, with 71, which will be nothing like as structured or organised or thoughtful as this. Uh, we'll just be back to our normal overworked guff um, in, in a week's time. Anything to add? Well, first of all, it'll be underworked guff. Uh, and <laughs> secondly, uh, no, just big thanks to Dave for joining us. Um, taking time out of his busy life with his many children and dogs um, to, to to talk to us. Uh, really appreciate it, Dave. No, my pleasure. No, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, we'll 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 ring Just Eat and see if they can push <laughs> some form of ham sandwich under your door for you. Oh, it's funny you mentioned that actually. I won't, I won't <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, there's a teaser. You wouldn't believe what I was doing with with. Uber Eats and just and who you just said yesterday, right? Okay, well that'll be a private chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some, oh, things, there are some things, folks, you don't get to learn. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't involve the legal process. But anyway, <laughs> okay, and we'll leave it there on that bombshell. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thanks, Dave. Holly came from Miami, FLA. Hitchhiked away across the USA Plucked her eyebrows on the way Shaved her legs and then he was a she She said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side She said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side Thanks for subscribing, Jonathan Linscott. Thanks for subscribing, Charles Kennedy. Thanks for subscribing, Stephen Others. And thanks for subscribing, Monica Sluiter. Little Joe never once gave it away Everybody had to pay and pay A hustle here and a hustle there Hamburg City 
is the place where they say, hey babe, take a walk on the wild sand. She said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild sand. Thank you, Dave Megan, once again. Always a pleasure Always life affirming Thank you everybody All the purple say Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.